You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. And now, here are today's hosts. Good morning and welcome back to the All About Real Estate Edition. I am your host, Todd Schneck, joined by my co-host and friend, Carol Morgan. We'd like to kick things off first, however, by thanking New American Funding for being our 2020 show sponsor, now our 10th year on the air. It has been a great year with them as our partner, and we are very much looking forward to continuing that great relationship in 2021. All right, Carol, this is one of our favorite guests been too long since we've had him on the show. Always an educational and entertaining conversation. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. This is our favorite bow tie guy. We are joined in studio this morning by Dr. Elliot Eisenberg. He is the president and chief economist with Graphs and Laughs. And he always um, remains true to form, providing us with great content and some laughs. So welcome to the show, Elliot. Thank you very much for the warm welcome, both of you. Carol, Todd, thanks so much. A pleasure to be here. Elliot, it's always a pleasure to have you. Appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us. Uh, you are probably be the reason the economy is growing because you are the busiest guy on the planet. So we do appreciate you. Uh, you making time to join us. So before we uh, get into, we have a couple of really critical discussion topics to dive into. But before we do that, though, remind the audience a bit about you and your background. Oh my, okay, so uh, I got a PhD, about 20 years or a little more than that in housing economics. I'm a real housewife. I've been thinking about housing pretty much nonstop for over 20 years. Spent 12 to 13 years at the National Association of Home Builders and about eight years ago went off on my own. And now I'm a public speaker talking about, among other things, housing, the housing sector, the US economy. And my only regret is not going on my own earlier, not because NHB wasn't good, but because it's fun to be your own boss. Isn't that the truth? I know uh, Todd and I both enjoy being our own bosses mm -hmm. as well. Yep. So we'll remind our audience a little bit about graphs and laughs. So uh, what I do is I actually moved from Maryland, the high-tax state, to Florida, recently a low-tax state. So now I'm Florida-based, which makes everything more fun. I can go to the pool and the ocean and go on a sailboat. That's kind of fun. And do economic work while I'm doing that, which is even better. But uh, what I primarily do is uh, speak. I speak. I publicly speak. But now do a lot of public Zooming, if you will. As Aretha Franklin says, who's Zooming who? That's what I keep doing all day long, right? Uh, talking about the housing market, global economy, auto sales, energy, trade, uh, interest rates, labor markets, things that people generally find painfully boring. I try to bring to life with some semblance of humor and funny slides and just my own weird personality. Outstanding. Well, we love that weird personality. All right, Elliot, let's dive in. So as we record this, we're a few weeks past the 2020 election, thank God. Thank God, yes. And uh, although there's still a few people that are trying to be combative with it, but uh, looking at my numbers, so far so good in terms of how the market is reacting to that. But take a, a look to, into 2021. What's going to happen with this new administration? Well, the big question is there's still one big lingering question, and that's the state of Georgia. There are going to be two runoffs there on January 5th, if I'm not mistaken. And if the Democrats win both, the Senate's tied 50-50, and then Vice President Kamala Harris can break ties. This happened during one of W's uh, periods. He had four congressional terms. One of those, Cheney had to, Vice President Cheney had to break ties. 
This would give uh, President Biden a lot more leeway. At least he could get his cabinet appointed without having it to run through Republican approval, which would limit very much who he wants to put on. So his, that's the first thing. It would also allow Democrats to control the agenda. They might not get things passed, but at least they could bring them up for debate. So we still have one big piece of unfinished business out there. Now, that said, even if the Democrats win both seats, which is a bit of a stretch because Georgia has been traditionally a very red state, the majority of the Democrats will have is exactly one seat in the Senate, and their majority in the House will have shrunk to the lowest number from what I read, potentially back in over 100 years. They may have a majority of just five or six or seven seats. So any few members of Congress on the House side, a few congresswomen or men, and one senator, exactly one, can destroy any piece of democratic legislation by saying, ah, I don't think so. So the likelihood that any expansive social policy or big tax policy or anything big happens is remarkably remote. So President Biden's room for maneuvering here is going to be very limited. He'll be forced to use the executive orders, so signing pieces of paper and using the regulatory bodies and rulemaking procedures to impose his agenda on the population. Very interesting. And of course, you know, Georgia, as usual, is a troublemaker with our two elections right. not finalized yet. It's still a long ways away. We're still a month away. It's a long yeah. time. It's going to be interesting. Um, well, I have my own prediction about that, but I'll keep it to myself. So now on to your prediction. What do you see for the new home market in your crystal ball for 2021? The market should remain pretty good. I mean, it's going to slow down to some extent. There's no question. We're already beginning. I wouldn't say we're already beginning. That's wrong. We're beginning to see plateauing, I think, is the best way to put it. There's, there's becoming an inability to produce more homes. That's the problem. Builders can't get land. Unemployment in residential construction is now back where it was before the recession began, which is incredible. You had this huge rise in unemployment from 3.5% up to officially 149 down to 6.9. But there's still there's no, no unemployed in res construction. It's the best market we've had in res construction forever, forever, 13 years or 14 years since 05 or 06, or on the downswing in 7, 8 as we were declining, right? So it's on fire. Single family is stupendous. Multifamily is weaker. And that will continue because we're afraid people aren't going to pay their rents. And there's a tremendous number of multifamily units coming on the market right now. A fluky thing. It's last year or so. There's been an elevated number of starts and permits that, that were drawn years ago finally happen and now they're coming on and now we're nervous about what's going to happen with multifamily. Single family is on, is on fire. We see first-time mortgage apps, they've plateaued about 20% above year over year 25. So I think we're probably beginning to reach the plateau of what we can physically produce as a country in terms of single family construction. It'd be nice to produce more, but I don't think we can. But we could sustain this level for some time as the COVID numbers decline. I mean, people rearrange their housing situation. They move from the city to the suburbs or to the rural area and get a barn and a horse or something. You know, you've done that. It's finished. You've pulled some activity forward, but rates remain low. Uh, we can talk about that later in more detail. And the demographics are very favorable. So housing should remain strong for 2021. It's the healthiest single sector in the U.S. economy right now. Yeah, it's been amazing to watch. While the, the broader economy has obviously had its challenges, it has been fascinating to see how housing has, has been booming. And we'll talk more about that as we continue our conversation. Uh, speaking about that elephant in the room, COVID, uh, I guess the two-part question, Elliot, uh, continue to talk about how COVID is, is impacting the housing market and home sales. 
Uh, and if you could uh, speak a bit on how it's impacting the, the broader economy as well. Yeah, COVID's been a super turbocharger, intercooled turbocharger for the housing market. There's been, it's added a whole new layer of demand for housing. Prior to the recession, in back, back in December last year and Jan, Feb of this year, things were strong in the housing market. The housing market was improving and it, and it was performing the best it had done since the global financial crisis of 08, 09. So it was, it was in good shape. And there was pent-up demand there. There, weren't enough, there wasn't enough inventory. The prices were going up. People wanted houses. Demographics were good. Rates were relatively good. They weren't as good as they are now, but pretty good. Then comes COVID. So markets close essentially for March and April. I mean, some realtors try and show virtually, but it's hard. They hadn't gotten their technology quite together. So you miss the spring season. That demand now is layered on top of the prior demand that was already there demographically and so on. And then COVID itself generates more demand. People say, my gosh, my house isn't just my house. My house is now a gymnasium. My house is a school. My house is a rec center and so on. And I hate my husband. So how am I going to accommodate all these things at once? I better buy a bigger house. I better buy, it's like, you better have, you better get a bigger boat. Remember that line from Jaws? Mm-hmm. I think that really fits in here. That, where, that actor, I forgot his name, keeps saying, I think we need a bigger boat. Everyone's saying we need a bigger house because Junior's got to go to school and I have to exercise and someone's got to, you know, do a Zoom and R thing. And the big open concept houses are really closed, bad idea now. It's, that's closed for history for a while. So you have three layers of demand. Now, eventually, some of them will peel off, but COVID's been, spectacular for housing. Like it's been great for a lot of things because people are, are stopped buying services. We're not going to the bars. We're not going to ballets. We're not going to basketball games. We're staying home and eating brownies. And that just sounds stupid, but you got my point. <laughs> so we, we have all this extra money that we're not spending on services that we're now spending on goods. That goods can mean a car, a boat, a pool, or possibly the interest payment, the higher interest payment of a new house. And educationally, people with more degrees, who are older, who have more skills, can work at home. And those are our buyers. The people who are struggling in this recession tend to be younger, less well-educated minorities. And they're renters, and they're struggling. And my heart goes out, and that's how I many fiscal stimulus. But as a builder, my attitude is, yeah, I, hey, my, my clients are rocking and ready and, and loaded and ready to go. So this economy has turbocharged housing, the COVID. And in terms of the na- nation, however, it's a very different story. COVID numbers now are painfully high. And scary. They are, yeah, scary is the word. They are, that and a lack of fiscal stimulus are the two things that are causing the biggest headwinds to the economy right now. And we need to, if we can't get COVID under control, we absolutely must get fiscal stimulus passed by Congress. Mm-hmm. Because people are going to say, you know, Carol, you're like 35. It's different, you know, but for older people like Todd and I, you know, <laughs> maybe I don't want to go outside and lick the bathroom floor or something, you know, it's just, right. I'll, I'll put that off. I'm not going to go to a restaurant. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And if we all stay home, regardless of what our governors and mayors and city commi- county commissioners say, we're going to be much more reluctant and that will have negative effects on the, on the economy and GDP. So we've got to sustain this until the vaccines become widely available. Okay, what, that three, four, five months, whatever it is, six months, I don't know. But we've got to do one or the other. It's incumbent upon us. This is the biggest single threat to the economy. I don't see us going into recession in 2021, but growth could be considerably weaker in Q1 if we don't do something. 
Well, you know, and with everything stalled out in Congress and this election pending in Georgia, do you think it's likely that anything's actually going to move forward before the inauguration? No. No, I was afraid you were going to say that. Yeah, it's so hard to see it. I mean, you know, both parties have been have been jockeying for position or jockeying to pretend to care. Right. And and Pelosi spoke for months and they did it just because neither side wanted to take the blame. Yeah, it's crazy. So there's nothing we can really do about this. Right. Right. Well, you mentioned GDP growth. Talk about what you see for GDP growth in your crystal ball. GDP growth in this quarter should probably wind up around 4%, which is double the national historical average we've had over the last bunch of years. So during the year of you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, first couple months of 20, when things were very good, we, we were getting two, two and a quarter, two and a third, something like that, right? Because we don't have great population growth. We don't have huge labor force growth. And we're going to get double that number now going forward. So that's really quite good. It's not as good as we'd like it to be, we want to be a little higher to get unemployment down faster. But if we can sustain that through the whole 2021, which is pretty likely, you know, especially with the vaccines coming, it'll be a decent year. 21 will be a good year at 4% GDP growth. Fiscal stimulus would help it a little bit, but 21 will be strong. There's no question about it. It's how strong is the question. And whether the first half is stronger than the second half because of fiscal stimulus or the second half is stronger than the first half because of the vaccines, that's what remains to be seen. But the expectation of getting a fiscal stim package keeps declining. And the other problem is, even if it comes once uh, President-elect Biden becomes President Biden, it will be late by then. We need the money now, right? Early December, you know, times, the clock is ticking. We don't want to have to wait until early February or mid-February. It loses pungency and power. Well, and obviously holiday buying is a, is a big boost to the economy, and that's going to be hampered uh, considerably by all this as well and, and lack of travel and so on and so forth. Are you ready to own a home but don't know where to start? Speak to a local expert at New American Funding. Get pre-qualified and start looking for your dream home. They make home buying easy and convenient with a variety of home loan options. New American Funding is devoted to helping families finance their home because they want everyone to achieve the American dream, home ownership. New American Funding's technology is what sets them apart, whether connecting with your home loan professional in person, online, or through the app, they are there to answer any questions. Call today to get pre-qualified. For more information, call 678-898-3540. That's 678-898-3540. For those uh, paying attention closely to the interest rates, what's your prediction there? I mean, are they going to remain low or do you think since the economy uh, will ultimately start heating up, uh, will those go up or what's your thoughts there? I'm very skeptical of a rise in interest rates. It's it's very hard to... I can certainly create a scenario where they get higher, but it's very unlikely. There are a number of reasons. First, unemployment remains elevated, so workers don't have a lot of power over employee over employers. So that'll be hard to get higher wages for workers that way. There's also a lot of excess capacity out there. Firms aren't making what they used to make. Even the manufacturers that are doing well because they're buying goods and not services, as we spoke about earlier. A lot of goods go to like a baseball stadium or a hockey arena or a hotel or an airline. 
you know, napkins and packages and stuff and tinfoil containers or whatever it is, hot dog buns, but that's not happening either. So there's excess capacity, there's high unemployment. And in the countries where the coronavirus is now well under control, which is essentially Eastern Asia, Southeastern Asia, China, Japan, Taiwan, South Korea, where their rates are very low, there's no inflation there either. So if there's no inflation, it's hard. No one's got inflation right now. So it's very hard to conjure up a story, likely story, where suddenly things go way up. I mean, sure, you know, diapers can get expensive or toilet paper or pork chops or something, but that's not going to lead to economy-wide inflation. Moreover, the Fed wants more inflation. We don't have enough as far as the Fed's concerned, and they're absolutely right. It's too low. So they would like to see higher levels of inflation. It's right now about one and a half percent, one and a third. They'd like to see it go up at least one more percent. So in our minds, we are cognizant that inflation is systematically two, two and a quarter percent. So they're going to let the economy run hot for a while. So to get the economy running hot and unemployment even lower faster, you have to tolerate some inflation. So they'll tolerate it and they'll accept it. And we've got ways to go. I think we have literally two years probably before the central bank really starts to do anything and clamp down the economy by raising rates. And when they do, they're not going to raise them very much. They're going to let it be hot, huh? Right. Hot like in the South. Well, talk a, a little bit, speaking of hot, you know, with all these homes, you know, flying off the shelves, I guess it looks like we're starting to see a couple of different trends. One is the builders can't keep up with demand in terms of delivery. So we have right. a lot of these pending sales that are going to close first quarter next year, which will be nice. That'll give a nice bump to first quarter. But then the other thing we're starting to see is, you know, lack of lots. Where do you see that going? That's a huge problem. Well, the first thing is we're seeing builders now sell homes that aren't built. The number of homes that are sold but not, not built. So the buyer comes to a builder and says, I'm building a house. And the builder says, well, here's a contract. Give me deposit of whatever it is, 10% or whatever the standard operating procedure is. And then the builder points to his watch or her watch and says, you know, I'm busy now until like July. But as far as the census is concerned, that house has been sold. So you have hundreds of thousands of sold but unbuilt homes. Problem number one. Problem number two, inventory is big. And inventory is a problem because of lack of development, right? Development's not happening. And that's a serious problem. The banks are very reluctant to lend. So we have this this problem we can't get around. Builders don't develop. Developers are having a harder time developing than in the past. Banks are more reluctant. They're fearful about this. They're fearful about that. We need some banks to step up or we need some private capital to come in that's a little more expensive, presumably, maybe fewer constraints on the capital, but a little more expensive to come in and rescue us, if you will, because we need a lot more lots. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating to see where we are in a year's time, how that inventory problem uh, is resolving or continues to be a, a burden. It's, it's on getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Everywhere you look, it keeps declining. I just did some work recently. Actually, this morning, I was looking at some data in Tampa. And single-family homes are at 1.3 months of inventory. And that's ridiculous. What would it be? I don't know if you can sell more homes because you keep pushing inventory down. How much lower can it go before it begins to impact sales? Yeah. There's nothing to choose from. Right. <laughs> yeah, what's normal, Elliot? About six months supply? Uh, yeah, you can argue four, five, six, but right nationally now we're at three and a quarter oh, or something. Crazy. It's crazy low, right? Nowhere in the country, in every single met every single area that the realtors look or whoever it was, like 186 metros, every single one of them had a price increase. This is unprecedented. It's it's pervasive. 
shortages, demand, COVID, all this stuff coalescing together, lack of inventory, lack of construction, lack of development, in the midst of a recession, no less. Elliot, uh, when we get back to normal, there's not going to be the old normal. It's going to be a new normal. And I suspect that applies to the economy as well. Uh, Fed Chairman Powell said, we're recovering, but into something different. Talk about how you see the economy as a whole kind of evolving as a result of, of this pandemic. My parents are a great example. My dad is 80, almost 86. My mom's almost 84. They used to always go shopping for food, but now I bought them Instacart. They love it. I'm using Grubhub more or Uber Eats or whatever the, whatever the service is. I'm using it some. So we're changing our purchasing patterns, more online purchases. And I think these will stick. They're easy. It's convenient. It's simple. Once you get going on your phone, right, you're more likely to continue using the app. So there's that thing that's going on. The other thing that's going on that's really important is office space. Mm. What's that going to look like down the road? Part of me thinks you have to go back to the office because you have to work with your coworkers. You have to suck up to your boss. If your other guys competing for the boss's job and attention are sucking up and you're not in the office, you're going to lose that competition for that job. So at some point, there's really strong incentive to go back. But I don't think we all go back five days a week. That's not going to happen. So the restaurants downtown that depend on patronage from from clients who work downtown isn't going to be quite so strong. There'll be a marginally smaller lure of living downtown because it'll be a little bit less exciting because there's less going on. Life may be slightly more boring in the short run anyways. But there'll be lots of opportunity to renovate office space. And you know we'll turn retail establishments and malls into something else, schools or multifam housing or something. But I think the office tower is probably the most interesting thing to think about because as it goes to some extent, it will drive downtown rents and downtown opportunities, right? Yeah, um, well, as a, resident of, as a resident of Chicago, it, I'm already, we're already seeing how the market is changing and evolving. And it's actually, I'll be honest with you, it's kind of fun to see how, the, how they're doing. You know, I mean, uh, my wife gets so spooked by all these restaurants that might close, but I always say, yeah, there's entrepreneurial mindsets. Uh, it's going to pop back. The market will, will adapt. It will adjust. It always does. Right. And it's exciting. That's actually kind of exciting to see. And, you know, wide swaths of our society is going to change too. This is a chance to redo our educational process. I mean, there's a lot of exciting opportunity here too. The downside, however, the overt downside is unemployment will probably remain somewhat elevated or yes. put it this way. It'll take us another year, roughly. So think about the end of 21. By then, GDP will be back where it was when we started. But unemployment or total employment, I'm sorry, won't be because firm will say, you know, we've dumped all our workers and we had these two workers, Carol and Todd. Now, Carol was doing a great job. She was shagging business and she was working hard and doing production. But Todd, he was just making jokes. So we're not going to rehire Todd. And how many companies have let go so many workers and now they don't have to bring them back because they've, 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 they have technology now to do some of that work for them. So we'll take employment longer to recover as a result of this, which is unfortunate at some level. But hey, that's the way it is. It is the way it is. And it was going to happen inevitably anyway. So we're just exacerbating and quickening the pace on some of these these changes that were probably going to happen anyway, which is short-term painful, but maybe long-term good for the economy in terms of clearing the chaff <laughs> and right. enabling us to grow and evolve in, in, a, in a stronger way. So I think we've done a better job than the Europeans in that respect. The Europeans have told workers, don't work, we'll keep paying you money. 
the state attached to your old employer. We're saying, employers, here's some money, employees, here's some money, now go do what you want. That's what we need the fiscal stimulus for, keep people above water, but don't let them go back necessarily to their old job because the old job may well never come back. Yeah. Yeah. So true. You know, it's just interesting. I think COVID in so many ways has just been a giant force magnifier. It has magnified everything in the direction it was already going and just right. warp speeded it, you know, probably three to five years in some cases. Agreed. You know, look at the number of people who would have never, ever been comfortable in all this online technology and Zoom and go to meeting and, you know, who now are quite adept with it. You know, people who would have just not ever you know, seen a reason to use it. Um, I would never have gone telemedicine. Never. Right. Now, oh, I, I love it. I don't yeah. want to see a doctor ever again. <laughs> and, and similarly, as you point out, the whole Zoom concept, uh-huh. you know, in, in, in years past, if I said, oh, I'll do a webinar for you, people would think that's an inferior secondary quality product. And now we're all quite happy with Zoom. I'm, you know, happy with Zoom is the wrong word, but it's an acceptable form of communication and it will remain that way for, for the foreseeable future forever. Probably the biggest... Uh, leave behind from this whole thing is Zoom fatigue. <laughs> I can't wait never to use it again, right? Yes, exactly. All right, well, we could continue discussing the economy and all that that implies for hours with you, Elliot, but unfortunately, we're running low on time. Before we let you go, a couple things, please. Uh, for those who want to connect with you, learn more about graphs and laughs, uh, where do they go? And also want to urge you to talk about your, your newsletter. Uh, it's one oh. of my uh, favorite end-of-day uh, reads and uh, explain to people what that is and how they can get on that list. Wow, thank you very much, Todd. So yeah, the way to, way to reach me, a couple simple ways. My website's econ70.com, E-C-O-N, the number seven, the number zero.com. And that's the best way to reach me. You can send me emails over there. I'll respond and share my email address and all that kind of stuff. And Todd, thank you about the opening about my daily email blast. I put out 70 words every day on economics. That's why it's econ70. And there's a couple ways to sign up. You can go to my website and sign up there, or you can text the word bowtie. I'm known as the bowtie economist. So it's B-O-W-T-I-E, one word, no hyphen, no space between the two, bowtie, six letters straight. And text it to the five-digit number 22828. Again, 22828. Bowtie to 22828. You'll be prompted for an email address. You'll hear from me every every night. I send that around 10 o'clock East Coast time. No graphs, no ads, no charts, no links, no photos. Sometimes no value also, I'm afraid, but I'm kidding. It's funny. It's relevant economic data four days a week. And on Fridays, I go off the ranch and talk about anything with interesting data. How many planets are on the, in the universe? What your favorite condiment is? The most expensive bottle of wine? The fastest race car? You get the idea. Pluto's a planet, by the way, just so you know. It's end of story. All right, Dr. Elliot Eisenberg, the president and chief economist at Graphs and Laughs. Elliot, as always, sir, it was a pleasure to have you and I appreciate uh, your, your keen insights. My pleasure. And Todd, Carol, the time went by lickety split. So we obviously had a good time, or at least I did. Thank you both. You're welcome. All right. Well, that wraps this week's All About Real Estate Edition. On behalf of our show sponsor, New American Funding, my co-host, Carol Morgan, I am Todd Schnick. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for tuning in and listening. And we'll look forward to seeing you again right here tomorrow. We'll see you then. 
Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio is sponsored by New American Funding and made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite source for real estate and home building news. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio.